Capcom presents. Capcom presents. Hey everybody, welcome to Capcom Unity official podcast, Captivate Special Part 2. We just did the Resident Evil 6 episode earlier in the week, so if you missed that, it's available on iTunes and on CapcomUnity.com. This episode is about Lost Planet 3. Just announced it this week during Captivate, so it's the first time we actually get to uh, have any information on the game. I was able to sit down with producer and project lead Andrew Szymanski and Kinji Oguro, who's the Lost Planet franchise creative director. So as always, uh, hope you enjoy the interview. Hope you enjoy this kind of like first look at Lost Planet Three. This is a no pun intended tip of the iceberg. So there'll be a lot more to come. Um, but yeah, brand new game announced. So there's not can't prod them too much. But I think I got enough to uh, to wet your whistle, and uh, we'll have more as soon as we can. But thanks for listening. Catch us on iTunes. Catch us on CapcomMunity.com, and talk to you soon. Yeah, I wanted to get things started with uh, kind of a first obvious question. Is we're dealing with a brand new game, a uh, brand new cast, all led by this protagonist, Jim. So I'd like to kick it off by just asking you to tell me about Jim and his story and how that all ties into uh, Lost Planet 3. Uh, sure. Well, uh, Lost Planet 3 is a story of Jim, uh, who has traveled from Earth to uh, Eden 3, where the game takes place. Uh, and he's actually um, uh, going as part of the efforts to colonize the planet. Um, and uh, a long time fans will probably catch on that that means it actually takes place in the past, before mm-hmm. the events of Lost Planet 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jim is, is, is going to uh, eat, um, Eden 3rd um, because you know, there's sort of a, a, of a gold rush uh, effect going on where uh, thermal energy has been discovered uh, and people know that it's a valuable resource. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, you know, a lot of people are, are, are flocking there to kind of try to exploit that resource. Now, Jim is a little bit more pragmatic. Uh, he's a family man. He's a working uh, class kind of guy. Uh, and he actually has a wife and a, and a newborn son who he's leaving on Earth uh, to, to come to, um, to Eden Third uh, because, you know, he can earn a lot of hazard pay uh, and uh, try to provide a better life for his family. Uh, and he comes um, as a uh, as a contractor, uh, where he uses his utility rig, which is our kind of mech uh, in this uh, installment. Um, and he is a he is a utility rig pilot, uh, and he uh, is basically going to be involved in, in the colony's uh, uh, construction uh, and also in kind of establishing the frontier uh, on the planet. Now, obviously, this being a video game, things don't go exactly mm. according to plan. Right. Uh, what possessed you guys to go like the the prequel route? Is there just maybe more fertile ground there as far as storytelling, or is it, uh, like a reason versus uh, continuing the story form of the sequel? Well, we really wanted to um, uh, you know go down. Uh, uh the uh, the route of what we're calling uh, a return to extreme conditions. Mm. You know, we talked to a lot of fans. Um, uh, you know, about what what do they remember most about Lost Planet? And everybody talks about the snow and the ice and how that's just a great setting for a game. So really, what we wanted to do was say, how do we take that extreme condition setting and blow it out in a way that um, you know no one's ever uh, really experienced before? Um, and uh, as most fans will know, uh, beginning with the end of Lost Planet One, heading all the way into Lost Planet Two, um, you know, there was a, a kind of a, a global warming effect. Mm. In and a terraforming effect that started melting all the snow. So we thought, well, if it's getting warmer in the future, mm-hmm. it must be you know a lot colder in the past. Um, and then that, so that's a way for us to kind of do the extreme conditions in a way that people haven't seen before. And since it does uh, take place in the past, um, I noticed uh, during the presentation I saw like the cast kind of speaks of things, uh, kind of alluding to things that they haven't discovered um, that that we kind of know that they're that they're talking about. Like they mentioned. Uh, a large acre is kind of almost a myth to them. Um, 
we're going to see kind of other clues into uh, how this game slowly ties into uh, what we know as Lost Planet. Uh, definitely. Um, you know, one of the things that we really want to do with this, uh, it being taking place, uh, you know, earlier on uh, in the franchise chronologically, uh, is we do want to provide a way for people who are new to the franchise to jump in uh, and not require a lot of prior knowledge. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of great things that happen in, in LP3, like discovering, you know, new types of acreage. Um, you're going to see, uh, you know, some, some familiar favorites, but you're going to see a lot of new ones. Um, and you're also going to see the reactions to Jim and the other crewmen uh, as they, you know, have to encounter uh, not only the acreage, but also the storms uh, and just the incredibly uh, harsh conditions of the planet. Uh, and that's something that uh, is really going to be uh, uh, one of the key uh, uh, concepts for the game. And like you just mentioned, the, the facing storms in the acreage while you're out in the utility rig, one of the things we see is uh, actually fighting the larger ones inside of the rig. And if wanted to talk quickly about uh, how the rig and how it's kind of his home away from home. Mm -hmm. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, utility rig is is um, basically Jim's um, uh, path towards his his livelihood. Uh, it's how he you know sort of does these contracts uh, for construction, you know, laying down pipeline for thermal mm -hmm. energy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, and it wasn't originally designed as a weapon. And that's actually one of the one of the coolest things about Lost Planet Three is that the utility rig, first and foremost, is is of a civilian design, um, and it's you know. Uh, just an interesting tidbit for, for fans of the franchise is that we actually, you know, um, thought about the vital suits in the first two games, you know, that they're, they're, they're smaller, they're very maneuverable, they're fast, they have jump jets, mach uh, machine guns and, and missiles and things. Um, and, you know, we thought, what would, have, what would the predecessor to that have been? Mm. Um, you know, we look at technology in the real world and you see miniaturization over time. You, know, you start out with a Walkman, end up with an iPod, um, you know, same thing with laptop computers. Um, and so... You know that kind of took our thought process to the predecessor of the of the vital suit was probably a a large you know civilian uh, 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 machine that you know and 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 that's what really makes uh, the utility rig so cool uh, because it has these tools um, the, the two that you can see in the announce trailer uh, are the uh, the drill bit um, and the uh, and the fork arm claw uh, but you, Jim actually has to figure out and the player by extension has to figure out how to improvise using those mm. tools to fight you know the acrid when, when you run into them and that's something that uh, that we really think is awesome. It's, uh, it looks like there was a variety of combat, like sometimes you would fight Acrid on foot and Jim has to do it like kind of a, a close quarters or hand to hand with the with the, the Acrid, but then when you get in the suit, like the gameplay changes and you actually change how you come at them, like just talk a bit about uh, how that battle escalates and how it can change your strategy versus, you know, when you're in the suit and out of the suit. <laughs> Um, well, you know, when you're out of the suit, it's in third person, uh, you know, very much along the lines of, of what we've been doing in the franchise up to this point. Um, you know, we, we've tried to make the controls as smooth as possible so people who are, uh, you know, fans of shooters, you know, can, can pick up and play right away. Um, and we've included some, some cool hints to, uh, to previous Lost Planets in, in, in the way that you can select your control schemes and things like that. But, um, you know, basically there's, there's a dichotomy between when you're outside uh, and, and you're in third person and you're using five firearms um, and you're fighting against the acrid uh, and obviously there's ones that are going to be you know somewhat easy, easier to defeat uh, when you're when you're outside um, there's gonna be some that you're gonna struggle against that are really almost boss encounters but then when you jump into the utility rig you have that safety of this giant piece of metal that's surrounding you uh, and that's gonna change up the dynamic um, so uh, it, it's almost like a, a war of, of escalation so to speak an enemy that w presented a large challenge on foot is going to be significantly uh, easier to defeat um, and and uh, in the utility rig, uh, but then of course there's going to be any 
enemies out there that are going to challenge you even when you're in the utility rig. And if you yeah. ever had to go up against one of those on foot, you, you know, you're really going to have a challenge. Yeah. Um, and so the ability to kind of uh, pick and choose your methods. Um, one of the things that we showed uh, here at the Captivate demo uh, that we think is really cool is the ability to almost use uh, uh, um, the, the, the on-foot weapons and the utility rig in like a combo type situation mm. where you can actually grab onto something using the utility rig and, in, and even if you don't finish it off, you can hold it in place while you jump out and then go in and find one of its cores, you know, the orange glowing weak spots mm. and shoot at that with your gun. Mm. Um, and so uh, certain enemies are going to favor certain strategies, um, but we definitely want to give the player the, the opportunity to kind of figure out what play style works best for them. Uh, another uh, interesting, like, new addition that was like the idea of the the hub area where Jim kind of lives, and you you walk around and see NPCs, and I uh, just kind of wondered how that factors into the overall game because previously it was kind of a you know level one, level two mm -hmm. kind of approach, and this seems like it may have more of a not necessarily open world, but some kind of more uh, of a loop where you come back and get new stuff and just anything you can add to that. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're not necessarily doing a, a uh, complete open world experience. Go anywhere, do anything at any time, because we really want do want to keep things focused on Jim and his story, and we want to constantly be driving that narrative forward. Um, but one of the things um, that we are really uh, uh, putting a lot of effort into for Lost Planet Three is the idea of once again, it's a frontier. Jim's a pioneer. He's discovering uh, uh, you know things as he goes along. He's he's uncovering these mysteries, and he's and he's un, you know uh, accessing new areas. Uh, and so it, the 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 structure is very much mission-based. You have your your core uh, mission uh, tree, if you will, that basically um, you know propels you throughout through the story uh, further and further into the game. But then you also have you know missions that branch off from that, that uh, side missions with optional objectives uh, that you can complete for various rewards. And the great thing about this is you know um, it, you know it doesn't force you through uh, uh, the story, um, and it allows people to to take on a lot of things at their own pace. And it also allows us to flesh out the world uh, because you might be walking through an environment in the utility rig, find something in the distance, you know, a shiny piece of metal in the distance and think, what is that? And you get out of the rig and you go and explore it and all of a sudden that might be, you know, a new side mission that mm -hmm. uh, that you start on. So um, we think it's a, it's a great balance between, um, you know, uh, creating a great narrative for the player to, to, to uh, you know, discover how the plot unravels in the game, also giving them the chance to really take in the environments as they explore. Um, so one of the key things for Lost Planet obviously is the thermal energy and that's why Jim is here. And then I noticed when he gets out of the suit, like he kind of shields himself from the snow and the wind and it really selling like he's he's trapped in this snowstorm. But I didn't see anything that was like the thermal energy kind of mm -hmm. like signature uh, meter running down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, is that feature absent from the game or is it kind of re you know manifest in some other way that mm -hmm. uh, gets across like you can't stay out here very long? Um, yeah, you know, I understand that, you know, certainly it might be a little bit of a controversial choice, but we chose to, to eliminate that aspect of the game simply because um, uh, when, when the first announcement again in particular came out, um, you know, it was very much more of an uh, arcade-style experience. Mm -hmm. You know, you have level one, you know, move on to level two, fight a boss, move on to level three. Um, in this case, uh, we're very close to, to Ogoro-san's um, uh, original vision, which I'd love to get some comments from him as well, on as well, uh, which is basically the idea of there's this world out there for, for you to explore, and we want um, you know Jim, in this case, to be able to go out there and, and see what he can find. Uh, and, and the idea of having this kind of timer that would, would limit you in doing that is something that we really wanted to, uh, to, to move away from uh, so that people would be able to, uh, to, to you know, um, uh, kind of explore at their leisure and not feel as though they were constantly being prodded along. Mm. 
Um, that being said, thermal energy is, is, is a very important part of the game still. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on in, in the podcast, you know, it is, it's been discovered and it's been um, sort of uh, uh, pegged as, as a new natural resources that, that humans can use and they can exploit. So when you pick up thermal energy in the environment, both from killing enemies, where you can pick it up directly, uh, and also something new that we have in this game, which is uh, basically drilling for, for thermal energy. Mm. Um, uh, I won't go into too de much detail right now um, because we have a lot of cool stuff to show uh, 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 you know, months, uh, a few months from now. But basically, um, you know, there are thermal pockets in the environment. And in the demo that we showed actually at Captivate, we had Jim planting a, a, a thermal post in order to access that pocket. So when you, when you pull up that energy from the ground or when you grab it from an enemy, uh, uh, Jim will store it. Um, when he goes back to the rig, uh, the rig will store it in its internal tank. And if you take that back to base, you can use that uh, as currency uh, to purchase upgrades and items and things like that. So um, it really makes uh, thermal energy, you know, an integral part of you know Jim's work mm -hmm. there uh, and Jim's mission on the planet. Mm. And like you alluded to, uh, that three is closer to uh, mm -hmm. closer to Ogrosan's original vision uh, for the first one. If you want to talk a bit about like were there specific things in three that you were finally able to be like that's something I really was hoping to to tackle and now I finally able. え、本当にあの、広く広く広大な世界でえ、そこで主人公ジムを自分が、え、自分と一緒に一体になってそこを旅していろんな謎を解いて、そしてどんどんあの、世界が広がっていく。そういう素晴らしいゲーム体験が、
Uh, sure thing. Um, actually, hit the nail on the head. Um, we have two types of music um, uh, in the game uh, on a, uh, in terms of the high-level overview. One of those is the game score. That's kind of the ambient music that's playing, like you said, during encounters and things like that. Uh, and so when you're kind of outside of the, of the rig and you're wandering around in like a cave system or maybe sort of a foreboding environment, mm -hmm. the, the score is going to reflect that. It's either it's going to be mysterious, it might be suspenseful, you know, kind of putting, uh, uh, putting out some of those uh, 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 cues that, you know, things might not be all that they seem. Uh, and, and that's a great uh, way to accentuate the atmosphere. Uh, in a big boss uh, uh, battle, um, you're going to have this, you know, big, you know, huge kind of uh, almost uh, uh, action movie-like uh, score that's going to be egging you on as you're fighting these, uh, as you're fighting these uh, the giant acrid. Um, at the same time, uh, we have a totally different uh, set of music, which is uh, songs that Jim's actually playing in the rig. Yeah. Uh, and that's his actual soundtrack. I mean, it's the whatever the the Lost Pond equivalent of, of hooking his iPod up in in the rig. Um, and so, uh, you know, they're they're instrumental, um, but it, it really is kind of his his taste in music, if you will. And that's where you bring in that uh, that um, a little bit of a country uh, uh, influence, just in order to accentuate the frontier nature of the mm -hmm. game, and also to play off of of. Uh, uh, of Jim's character, um, and uh, uh, we're really happy with uh, how all that's turning out. We've got a great composer on the game, uh, Jack Wall, who uh, did the first two Mass Effect games, uh, and so um, you know, really high quality music that we're going to continue to uh, to show more of uh, throughout uh, uh, throughout the, the the marketing campaign for the game. Cool. And then uh, I noticed, uh, you know, and you actually explained what they were for, and I didn't realize, but the, these kind of interstitials that pop up uh, periodically, uh, messages from home or one of them is like a psych evaluation, just kind of like a moment in time. You want to explain kind of what those were and like how you decided to, it's, like you said they are actually covering loading screens. Uh, exactly. Well, once again, it's all about immersion. Um, and for us, that means keeping you anchored to, to Jim's story and keeping you anchored in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, there, there was kind of two types of, uh, of little uh, vignettes, if you want to call them, that uh, we had in the demo. The first was an in-game uh, sequence that actually played in the rig uh, in the demo as you were moving uh, from one area to another. And that was a, a video message from Grace, uh, Jim's wife. Uh, and it's really a way to, once again, keep, you, keep the player anchor in the world, keep the player anchored in the world, and also uh, to remind uh, us of really what Jim is there for. You know, we really want to continue to hit on, you know, Jim is a human being with all the complexities that you would expect, uh, uh, you know, a, a character like that to have. And seeing, you know, uh, just a, it's not, th that message is not a hint of how to defeat an enemy or, or a tutorial tells you where to go. It's just simply, you know, a way to, to show that, you know, Jim loves his family and, you know, he wants to, he wants to, to do right by them. Um, separate from that, as you mentioned, are uh, these sort of uh, full-screen um, uh, vignette sequences, and these are actually masking loads. Uh, and, and, and the main uh, uh, idea behind that is simple. It's just, you know, rather than having somebody watch a loading screen, you'd rather have them watch something that has to do with the game. Uh, and these aren't in any particular order or chronological sequence. They're, once again, moments in time, as you so aptly put. Um, messages from Jim to Grace and vice versa. And even just, you know, observations of Jim as he goes about his daily life. And it just really kind of gives you more of an insight into his character. And then, uh, just to wrap up with a final question, I know uh, specifically Cap Community fans will have a specific question, and I would be remiss not to ask about <laughs> multiplayer because that was obviously the big, the big discussion for Certainly. one and two. Mm -hmm. um, if there was any kind of hints as to what we might expect. 
Um, well, I, I can uh, reassure everyone by telling them that we will, uh, we will indeed be doing multiplayer for Lost Planet 3. Uh, multiplayer is a very important part of the franchise for us, uh, and we certainly want to keep that tradition alive. Um, the campaign uh, for the game, or the story mode if you want to call it that, um, is very much a single player focused experience this time around. Uh, and the reason we're doing that is simple. It's because we want the player to step into Jim's shoes and experience his story. We want them to grow along with Jim. We want them to journey uh, with Jim as he's you know, going out into this frontier. And the best way to do that is to keep that focus razor uh, sharp on, on Jim himself. Uh, now we're not talking um, too much about uh, the multiplayer modes here at Captivate. You know, we're, we've just announced the title, but uh, over the coming months we're going to be talking more about uh, the different types of modes um, that you're going to find in Lost Planet 3. Um, there's some returning favorites uh, as well as uh, some brand new ones, both from uh, a cooperative and competitive uh, uh, sense. So uh, we're looking forward to giving details on that uh, down the line.